Welcome back to Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and what I do is I talk about comics, movies, and TV shows. But one of the things I've really tried doing, especially over the course of the last, we'll say, year or so, is pepper in more episodes that are about comp or uh, pepper in more episodes that are about movies or TV shows or lacking that just something that's not specifically about comics and the reason for that is because uh, especially for the first several years of Trinus Magnus Punches Reality's existence I never really did get the balance down all that well with all of the comic book episodes that I was doing, you know? In a given year, I might release, let's see, there are 52 weeks in a year. Perhaps 40 or 45 of those episodes released in a given year might be about comics. It, that really would not surprise me. And so one of the things I've tried to be a bit more aware of, especially this year, is talking about TV shows a bit more often, or talking about movies a bit more often, you know, and really trying to balance things out. Now, how good a job have I really done at that? I leave those evaluations up to you, but nevertheless, that was the intention. Now, when it comes to today's episode, this isn't necessarily, like, specifically about movies, but at least it's not specifically about comics, and so I guess we take progress where we can get it, right? So... Just a quick lesson for all of you listening, especially if you're not a podcaster yourself. I've done a smattering of episodes about Star Wars over the years, just during the lifetime of Trinus Magnus Punches Reality. And in the main, those episodes tended to do pretty well. Like, if, if success is defined by the number of downloads a given episode gets, yeah, it... Those, those Star Wars episodes, those tended to do pretty well, usually, right? But one of the things that I noticed, and this was the damnedest thing, but one of the things that I noticed was that trend, I, I can't tell you when, but that trend began changing, right? And my Star Wars episodes are so infrequent that I really, I, I can't really pinpoint an exact time and say, yep, that's when it started. But whatever happened, happened, and the, the sort of downward trajectory became apparent to me near the end of 2019 when I released an episode with Scott Rifen. It was basically just a Star Wars love fest, all right? No agendas, no bullshit, no nothing like that. We, the idea was I was just going to sit down with Rifen, and we're, he and I were going to talk about all the stuff about Star Wars that we love, all right? Check your negativity at the door if there's something about Star Wars as a franchise that just pisses you off. Well, tough shit. You don't get to talk about that. This episode is all about... It was all about finding your Star Wars joy, as to kind of borrow a saying there. And so that was that. And I didn't exactly have lofty expectations for that episode, but I figured, well, it's probably going to do pretty well, right? Boy, was I wrong. The numbers on that episode just fucking cratered, all right? This is no exaggeration. I I had a, a, a number in mind in terms of downloads that that episode was going to get. The actual number was, I, I want to say it was probably about, 
maybe a little bit less than half of that. Right? That's my memory of it. That episode was about half as successful. Again, if we define success as number of downloads, that episode was half or maybe slightly less than half as successful as I was expecting, okay? That was at the end of 2019. This whole Rise of Skywalker chimichanga was going on. And the basic tone and tenor from Star Wars fans, and I mean like core fans here, the old guard, was that they basically checked the fuck out of Star Wars, right? And what are the numbers there? Like, what does that really look like? And how did things play out? I'm really not in any position to comment on that. All I can tell you is that some amount of the fan base in December of 2019, at least in that moment, they had washed their hands of Star Wars. And that hand-washing seems to have been reflected in the download numbers of that episode, that Star Wars episode that I did with Scott Rifen in December of 2019. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm creating a, a, a connection there where none exists, but that's just the way that it looks. And honestly, guys, <clears throat> for me, for right now, the name of the game really is getting content out there because I'm staring a sort of a, a, a hard cutoff point with my, with or at least what I imagine to be a hard cutoff point with my podcasting, I'm staring down the barrel of that right now, you know, because once my daughter is born, I don't know this to be true, but me thinks I'm not going to have tons and tons of time to release more episodes <clears throat> of my podcast, and so if I were a betting man, I would say I, I uh, another hiatus, at least of some kind, is in my future, right? Now, what I'm trying to do right now is stave that off about as much as I can. And so, like I say, the name of the game is producing content. So I'll be the first to admit, this is not exactly... This is not exactly fresh territory, all right? Talking about fandom in general, and I would say specifically talking about comic book fandom, but all of it sort of feeds into a theme that I've noticed with the episodes of Trennis Magnus Punch's Reality, at least that I've released lately. Namely, that... How shall I put it? Um, basically, I'm trying to find a non-melodramatic way of saying that fandom is under attack. You know, uh, because that just sounds so bad, even to me. And I'm the one saying it. But it's like, at the same time, I really don't know what else to call it. I really don't know what else to call it. Because it seems like everywhere I turn around lately, I am confronted by fandoms that I have, both major and minor, where it just gets tiresome. You know, it really fucking does. You know, and one I mean, I, I guess at this point, my... Uh, my preferences and my affections, <clears throat> they probably speak for themselves, especially in light of last week's episode. But I look at what's happening with, um, I shall be politic here, and say the crowd-funded comics. What I see happening with the crowd-funded comics that I've, uh, th that I've supported is that the creators of those comics, what they really want 
is to give me a good experience, all right? What they want is to create the best possible comic book that they can, sell it to me at a price where it's profitable for them to have made the comic book in the first place, and then we can build up sort of a... I can't even call it like a fan relationship, because fandom isn't really a relationship, but establishing a healthy fan transaction here, right? That's what a lot of the crowdfunders are up to. You know, people like, uh, probably the most obvious example is Ethan Van Skyver, right? He wants people to buy his comic book, and so for that reason, he's not going to go on the attack, he's not going to lambast, insult, harass, and publicly humiliate fans, or at the very least, potential customers, so that he can sp uh, score uh, political brownie points over political whatchamacallit, you know? He's just not interested in doing that. You know, now, if you know anything about the guy at all, you can kind of figure where he's coming from politically. But he doesn't go out of his way to denigrate the people who have a different opinion from him on matters political, social, economic, etc. Right. He just doesn't do that. He's in the business of making comics. He wants to sell comics. He wants everyone to have a good time. He wants everyone to buy his comics and enjoy them, etc. And that's again, you can't really call something like that a relationship it is a transaction right and so i guess in relation to that he wants the transaction to be as smooth and enjoyable as he can possibly make it right and i just don't get the the same sense from a lot of other content creators shall we say media types media companies Right. And as Ethan Van Skyver is the poster boy for, again, to be politic, crowdfunded comics, I think Star Wars is, it's not the first example of this whole idea of just a fucked up fan transaction, but it is nevertheless probably the poster boy for the fucked up tra uh, fan transaction. Uh, honestly, I think probably maybe the earliest example that I can at least recall is Ghostbusters 2016. That was really the first time I, I, I can <clears throat> remember a, a content creator, a, whether you define that as, you know, comic book company, movie studio, TV network, just fucking whatever, content creator, just sort of as a catch-all term. That's the first time I can remember a content creator going on the offensive against its own audience, its own fans. Ghostbusters 2016. And the first shot that got fired over that was basically a YouTuber who was kind of vague in his criticism of the Girlbusters 2016 trailer. Which, by the way, got a fucking shit ton of uh, downvotes on YouTube when it released. But there was a YouTuber whose name I'm intentionally not saying because I don't want anyone to track this person down and make his life hell. He basically just said just some kind of tepid remarks, you know, words to the effect of, you know, this movie just doesn't look interesting to me. I'm not interested in watching it. I'm not going to buy a ticket for it. And he's a Ghostbusters fan from way back. So, but that was really all he said. He said, this just doesn't look like something I'm going to enjoy. I'm staying home. All right. 
So that was his objection, such as it was. And the amount of shit that he took for saying that, something so pedestrian, so, so mild, it's like, how could that possibly offend you? How could that possibly offend anybody? But somehow it did. And so after that, things went from bad to worse. There was this this carefully uh, coordinated, uh, very carefully executed PR smear campaign, really. Um, It was part woke, because at the time woke was kind of a semi-new thing, at least for a lot of people. So this sort of woke marketing campaign of, this is the Ghostbusters and they all have vaginas, and isn't this so clever? On the one hand. And on the other hand, it was basically attacking fans for problems they'd never even really expressed, things that had never really been said, at least in large numbers. Things that were not widely supported in Ghostbusters fandom, this idea of misogyny and sexism and I hate vaginas and all this other stupid fucking bullshit that no one really believes anyways. And the fans were basically called out on the carpet for problems that didn't even fucking exist. Uh, Objections that they had never given utterance. And most baffling of all, this was all considered to be some, like, part of some, like, skinhead clansman type of something or other where the people who were simply not interested in seeing a fucking movie were basically called racist evil people because there's just a movie they're not interested in seeing and then and that's it you know number one they never actually said that number two it overlooked the fact that the people who who were disinterested in this movie, they were not just white and they were not just men and they were not just heterosexual. So there were plenty of people who fit some kind of variation of non-white, non-man, non-heterosexual. You know, it, it really was a spectrum of reactions. And yet the, I can't even call them the opposition, just the disinterested party They were called everything in the fucking book. And it became apparent after a while that there's a narrative that some fucking idiot marketing company out there was running with that for some reason, somebody in this marketing company, or maybe it was Sony's marketing department. I mean, who the hell knows? But somebody in marketing apparently didn't think twice about insulting the core audience of this movie. I mean, you're not making an original film here. This is basically, well, it's not basically a remake. It's, I don't know, like what it like. How would you define this? It's not a remake, but it kind of is. It's not a reboot, but it definitely is. So, like, what is this? But whatever. The core audience of this film, it is definitely Ghostbusters. You didn't go out there and make some original fucking movie that has nothing to do with the Ghostbusters brand or franchise or anything like that. You made a Ghostbusters film. And so that means that the core audience for that film is Ghostbusters fans. And when you go on the offensive against them, you insult them, you harass them, mock them, and humiliate them in public, you really shouldn't expect them to financially support your movie. Even if what you made was like the Ghostbusters equivalent of Citizen fucking Kane, 
You can make the best movie in the uh, the best Ghostbusters movie in the entire world, and guess what, Haas? The people that you harassed and insulted aren't gonna want to fucking see it. People don't like getting harassed. They don't like getting insulted. They don't like getting humiliated by something that they love and cherish, right? But nevertheless, that's what happened. And it's like you, it was just it was fucking impossible to not want to see that movie and not be like a Klansman or something or whatever their insult was. It was just not possible, right? So the only reason for you to not want to see this movie is because you're some kind of an istophobe of some sort, right? That's bad enough. But things really did take a turn after a certain point where the early tracking for this movie started coming out. All of these ideas of having uh, women-only screenings of the movie, the numbers of this start coming back in, and what the fucking idiot marketing de uh, department realized is, holy shit, people are not showing up for this movie. This movie is failing. And it sort of turned right around to uh, from we don't need men to this movie failed because men didn't show up, you know? So, which is it? I mean, it's like men were damned if they did and damned if they didn't. And it was just a weird fucking experience. And it's like, even now the people who made that movie, like I actually feel kind of sorry, at least for the cast, because most of them had never done like these big expensive effects driven movies before. You can kind of picture that their agent, probably told them that this is going to be a good thing for them to be doing. It was going to be a big opportunity for them, lots of exposure. They were going to get to travel the world doing press and get their names out there. And they would, uh, their names, the cast members' names would be associated with this really strong and popular and durable brand. And it would be a great thing for everybody involved. And it became a fucking train wreck, you know? And I feel kind of bad for the, the cast members who I assume did not sign up for that, but nevertheless found themselves drafted into some kind of fucking retarded culture war. And it was it was just a horrible thing. And I bet most of them, before the movie even came out, they were ready for this whole thing to be over, right? That's just, that's not based on anything. That's just my sense of how things went back in 2016. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just how I remember it. And so... Movie studios took, and TV networks, and God knows, comics, they all took one look at the debacle that was Girlbusters 2016, and they thought, I want in on that too. And so it went. All of these different properties fucking went. They basically, they, they, got, they got woke, right? And it wasn't enough for them to be woke. They had to do it in a way where they mock and harass the longtime fans that have supported this franchise over the long haul. It happened with everything. Um, uh, Star Trek. It happened with um, uh, the Terminator franchise. It happened, in God knows, in comics. Couldn't fucking escape it on TV. And then we get to kind of the centerpiece of this episode, Star Wars. Now... Honestly, there is an argument that Star Wars started this trend, or at least dabbled with it, because 
there's nothing like if you sit down and you watch the force awakens there's really nothing specifically in the force awakens that's really all that woke but when you read some of the some of the comments that were made by cast and crew publicly in relation to the movie wokeness was definitely a symptom of what they were up to you know so it's not enough that we we cast John Boyega in uh, in a, a prominent role in the movie. He's uh, basically a disenchanted stormtrooper. He defects. He joins the rebels or whatever the fuck they're called, and he has a perspective now of both sides. There are things with this character that you can do because when you think about it, like a a stormtrooper who defects to the rebels, there's gold in them thar hills. I mean. The idea that he is going to have an understanding of what the Empire is really like. He's going to be able to have uh, tactical and maybe even classified information that he can provide to the Rebels. He's going to see what the Rebels are doing wrong just as clearly as he could see what the Empire is doing wrong. I mean, when you think about it, there's really no excuse for Finn to not be one of the most interesting characters in The Force Awakens. And, you know, the fact that he's black, it's like, whatever. I mean, I, I'm i not saying that nobody out there cared about that, but I personally have never met or interacted with anybody who cared about the fact that Finn was black. I mean, I keep being told that those people exist and they are out there. So I don't know, but it's, it's just where all, where are all, all of these people? Cause I just, I don't seem to encounter them, you know, but maybe they do exist and I've just somehow I've missed it. I don't know. Not that the force awakens is a great movie. I'm just kind of using Finn as an example here. The point is there's nothing that I remember about the force awakens. That's too specifically woke like as a film. But when you look at some of the comments made by the cast members and crew and, and people like that, when they were doing press for the force awakens, that was a lot different. Like JJ Abrams. I mean, I, I, I honestly cannot remember a time when I woke up in the morning and thought to myself, man, I'm a JJ Abrams fan. It's just fucking never happened. Okay. I've always thought he's a piece of shit. He's a talentless hack. And I, the most I can figure is, He's gotten as far in his career as he has because nepotism is a wonderful thing. I've got no fucking idea. I don't know. But the comments that he was making, I just thought were so far over the line of good taste where he said that he wanted to cast John Boyega in the movie, not because the character of Finn is black or not because, you know what? John Boyega is just a great actor, and I think he's got a lot of potential. I think he can bring a lot to this character. Damn it, I'm going for him. It's like, no, he cast John Boyega as Finn, and you get the idea that he did so specifically to antagonize some vaporware segment of the audience that they go out and they watch Star Wars and they go to their clan rallies or something like that. You know, it's like, apparently he thinks half of the Star Wars audience is racist, which I don't think that's true, but if that's true, does your your idea of addressing that is to cast a black person in the movie? And, and it's like he seems to believe that in good faith in spite of the fact that The Force Awakens grossed like $2 billion or something like that at the box office. And 
you're proceeding from the assumption that like most of the Star Wars audience is racist. It's just, it fucking doesn't make sense, right? And Daisy Ridley, she made a few comments that are wide open to interpretation and so on and so forth. It was just a fucking mess. And and then, of course, you know, The Last Jedi. I mean, God knows the wheels came off the wagon there, or so I'm told. Now, to be fair, I've never actually seen The Last Jedi. I've never watched it. I will never watch it. I mean, or at least I imagine that I'm never going to watch it. Like, if I just call it right now, I would say that someday I'm going to die. And on that day that I die, moments before I breathe my last, I'm going to say, I never watched The uh, the Last Jedi, you know? That's going to be a fact. You know, somebody can say that, you know, well, Magnus, he went to his grave having never watched The Last Jedi. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. So I can't sit here and promise you that I'm never going to see The Last Jedi, because who knows what the future is going to bring. But I'm thinking I probably won't. So what I've been told, however, is that the Last Jedi, even more so than The Force Awakens, it was all very raw, raw vaginas, girl power, all that stuff. And it was just a fucking disaster. And here again, the somewhat the cast and really the crew, they went on the offensive. They insulted Star Wars fans. They harassed them, mocked them. And it's like, you guys made a bad fucking movie from the sounds of things. And it's like really not the fans fault that this happened. You know, this movie has a toxic rating among fans. That's not their fault. That's your fault for making a shit movie, you know, and with Star Wars fandom, this was the first time I can remember anybody using the expression toxic fandom. And basically the branding of Star Wars, this like, guys, this is just what I think happened. OK, maybe I'm wrong, but. Uh, put it down to wisdom guided by experience. I don't know. All I'm saying is that what I'm about to tell you is my understanding, my observation, this is my memory of how things really went with Star Wars fandom. Goes a little something, something like this, all right? Let's just face it. For the great majority of Star Wars history, the core fan base has been straight, white men. Now, you can hate that, you can resent that, you can want to change that, you can whatever. The one thing you cannot do, however is deny the reality that the cornerstone of Star Wars fandom was made up of people who are white, people who are straight, people who are men. That's just reality, guys. You need to accept that. And the instant that the buyout to Disney was complete, it was like some jackass at Lucasfilm decided, we need a new fan base, because that always works out so well. And so, as a result, they call it expanding the fan base, welcoming others. It has rarely ever worked out that way. In fact, what usually happens is that in their zeal to welcome in the, this non-existent audience of people who are not white, not straight, not men, they 
in some way or another, find a way to piss off the people who are straight, the people who are white, the people who are men. So all of these girls that they're expecting to, to welcome into Star Wars fandom, by numbers, they don't really exist. All these people who are non-white that they want to welcome into the fan base, by numbers, they don't exist. All these people who are non-straight, by, by numbers, they also don't fucking exist. And But especially the female part of the audience, that was where maybe it's just that Kathleen Kennedy's got vagina issues herself. I don't know. But that was the part of the market she really wanted to capture was, was, was women. All right. And what I'll say is this. She was not completely unsuccessful in doing so. It does appear that some number of women like Star Wars right now, number one. And number two, of those women, like of, like of that number, the concentration of women in the audience, it is higher now than it was before. But there's the rub. What I'm about to say is going to be kind of controversial for some people, but the way I look at it is I've released in excess of 300 episodes of my show. If I haven't alienated you yet, I'm kind of running out of ideas to do so. I don't know what I could possibly say that would be a bridge too far. I just can't believe Magnus said that. But just word to the wise, or call it a trigger warning if you want. What I'm about to say is a broad generalization. This is a broad generalization, all right? And it's a broad generalization about broads, all right? So put it down to that. But guys... Women really don't like conflict, okay? What I try to tell... It, it took me a long time to figure this out, all right? I'm a guy. Sometimes men don't really have a full understanding of women, but I think the reverse is true, so well, tit for tat, I suppose. But women really don't like conflict, men, all right? You men listening to this, you need to understand something. Women fucking hate conflict. All right. That's number one. Number two, women, they, they, they seem to interpret strong disagreement as conflict. What you as a man consider to be conflict is something much, much greater than what women consider to be conflict. As a man, when I say the word conflict to you, what you take from that is something akin to hostility, all right? You have bad feelings for somebody based on, or I guess based on whatever, but the manifestation of it is hostility of some kind. Uh, vitriol, perhaps, all right? For a lot of men, that is how they interpret conflict. What or that's how they define conflict. What women define conflict to be, it can even it can be something so mild as just passing disagreement. All right, so that's one thing. Another thing is that women really don't banter. All right, they just tend not to do that very much. All right, because conflict, even if that's not actually conflict to a lot of them it looks a little bit too much like conflict. So they try to avoid it. Now, where the rubber meets the road for this is 
you have these men who are part of the Star Wars fandom. They're used to being able to speak their minds, uh, say their piece. Like you go to OriginalTrilogy.com, you're going to get some pretty raw content. You go to MillenniumFalcon.com, you're going to get some pretty raw content. Even back in the old days of the Force.net, you go back to their forum, you're going to see some kind of raw content. I mean, that that place really was sanitized. But even there, you're going to see some 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 pretty raw statements going on there. You know, and women look at that and what they see is uh, people basically saying, you're a poopy head because you hate the prequels. And then they see somebody else saying, no, you're a poopy head because you love the prequels. And to them, that's conflict. All right. Now, it could just be that these people are having a good natured kind of ribbing with each other. It could be that, no, they really do think one and the each of them think that the other one's a shithead because he enjoys the prequels or he hates the prequels or whatever. They really don't like each other, but they don't necessarily have a problem coexisting with one another inside the same fandom. They're capable of compartmentalizing right? Women really are not. They, that's just not something that they're capable to, uh, capable of doing. That's not something that they like doing, perhaps. I don't know. But for whatever reason, I can coexist inside the same fandom. We'll just pick Superman, for example, right? I'm kind of ecumenical when it comes to Superman. I love Superman. I love uh, pre-crisis, or, well, pre-crisis, that's kind of it. I love Silver Age Superman. I love Bronze Age Superman. I love Post-Crisis Superman. I love All-Star Superman. I mean, there's a lot of Superman stuff out there that I like. All right, now, in Superman fandom, ecumenism is not necessarily the trend, all right? And when I say I'm ecumenical, what I mean is I have a wide range of Superman stuff that I enjoy. Frankly, though, I think New 52 Superman is shit on a stick without the stick, and I don't really care if that bothers anybody. New 52 Superman ain't Superman, bro. So there are people out there who really get into New 52 Superman. There are, Or here's another one. That whole Jeff Johns, Secret Origin, Post-Infinite Crisis Superman... That's the Superman for a lot of people. And I think that one is basically just a bunch of fucking bullshit. I don't want anything to do with it. And I do kind of have loose plans to talk about that in some future episode or series of episodes, but not from the angle that you're thinking. There is an angle on that that I think has gone sadly under-discussed in the fan world, and I do want to get into that. I don't know when, but at some point I would like to do that. But the bottom line is there are... Versions of Superman that I adore. There are versions of Superman that I want fucking nothing to do with. But at the end of the day, it doesn't bother me that I occupy space in the same Superman fandom as somebody who regards New 52 Superman as the definitive Superman. That's everything Superman is supposed to be. I couldn't disagree with that more, but fuck it. It doesn't bother me that somebody in Superman fandom feels that way, that they believe that. You know, and my point in saying all of this is that women really don't function that way, guys. So you men listening to this, I'm preaching to you here. Okay, you need to understand. Women tend to be governed by consensus. All right. That's what they like. And 
when people disagree with each other too much, men interpret disagreement as, ah, well, whatever, that asshole has a different opinion. He's let him think whatever he wants. He's wrong, but let him think whatever he wants. That ain't the way that women roll, all right? And so when women enter into fandom, what is fandom but a bunch of different fucking opinions, all right? So that's number one. Number two, women, a lot of them have found, I don't know what the numbers are, but some number of women have found enfranchisement in Star Wars fandom based upon Rey. Now, I think Rey, she's not even a Mary Sue. She's a cipher. You know, she's basically this blank slate that women in the audience can project themselves onto so that they can engage with the story. She's not a, she's not a character. She's not a Mary Sue. She's a cipher. She's, she's a nothing. She's a void, a black hole. She's space to be occupied by women in the audience. That's their entree into the Star Wars saga, right? That's who she is. And so when this type of woman enters into Star Wars fandom and she sees all these different fans who are duking it out about the uh, these original trilogy fans, duking it out with prequel fans who are in turn duking it out with Clone Wars fans who are duking it out with people who love the EU, who in turn are duking it out with people who despise the EU. They look at this, this is a fucking acid bath. And the fact is, all these people are doing is, these are men who are sharing opinions. Very often these opinions don't really align with one another, and that's where the discussion takes place. It's it, Star Wars fandom and online discussions and things like that, it exists in the space between people, the disagreement between people. And that is not the way that women want to roll, mostly. You know, yes, there are exceptions. We can all think of two or three, but those tend to prove the rule. Women do not like conflict. And women interpret disagreement as conflict. Women interpret differing opinions as conflict. So when people start talking all this stupid fucking bullshit about... Uh, toxic fandoms and uh, 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 let me think what was the other one uh, man babies that was another one <clears throat> you need to understand this is them trying to process a an element of the male psyche that they are just fundamentally incapable of understanding they don't grasp the fact that just because I think Ray like I say she Ray is not a character. She is not a Mary Sue. She is a cipher. The fact that I believe that doesn't mean that I hate you personally, female fan. It just means that I think Ray is a fucking joke. If you enjoy the movies, hey, have at it. I, I, I'm glad that you have these movies. I hope you love these movies. I hope these movies are everything that you want them to be and more. I want you to, to fall in love with these movies and for them to mean everything to you that OG Star Wars meant to that generation, okay? That's what I want for you. That's what I'm saying. That's not what they're hearing. What they're hearing is he doesn't like Ray. Ray is me. He hates me. That's It's a pretty simplistic distillation of all this, but nevertheless, that is how it works. Ray exists as a cipher so that women can project themselves onto this character, and so whenever they hear me criticize Ray. They don't hear me criticize Ray. What they hear is me criticize them. And that ain't cool. You know, and you know what? On that, 
I guess on that basis, I can kind of understand and I can even kind of agree. I'm of the opinion that you should never make fun of somebody because of their fandom. Whatever it is that they're a fan of, you need to stay off their nuts and just let them be a fan. Let them be a fan. It doesn't hurt you that they're a fan of something that you're not a fan of, right? So I can kind of understand where they're coming from, but I'm sorry, intent matters here, all right? And what I'm trying to say in all of this, and it's strange to think I haven't even gotten into the, to the real issue that I want to talk about in, in this episode. Women are not really fans. A lot of women, that's my caveat, a lot of women are not really f- fans of something in the same way that men tend to be fans of something. The, th- the ideas or the drivers, the motivators behind a woman's fandom of something tends to be something very different from the motivators behind a man's fandom of something, even if it's the same something. It tends to be true that women get something out of it that men don't, and vice versa. And what we're experiencing right now in fandom is this phenomenon of men getting something out of fandom that women don't, women getting something out of fandom that men don't, but for some reason, only women are in the protected category. It's okay that women get something out of uh, different out of it than men. It's, it's not okay in reverse. Women get a pass for not having the same perspective as men do. Men get fucking pilloried for not having the same perspective that women do. Now, what I really wanted to talk about, and it's strange to think it's taken me over 40 minutes to fucking get here, but this is actually a pretty old article. It came out actually at the beginning of 2020. It's been in, it's, it's been kind of in my, my junk file for a while now. I, I have this little file of ideas for episodes that I keep, stuff that I want to talk about, something that I think would be good fodder for an episode, and maybe I'll get around to it someday, maybe I won't. And sometimes an idea just expires, okay? It gets to a point where this is just not relevant anymore, and so it's time to move on. So that stuff tends to get removed. And honestly, this this article that came out at the beginning of 2020, we're getting dangerously close to this thing just not being relevant anymore as it is. So it's pretty much now or never. I need to talk about this now because if I don't, I never will. So this came from Comic Book Resources. Now from the jump, just by virtue of the fact that this comes from CBR, you already know this is going to be full of all kinds of bullshit. I mean, as shill comic book websites are concerned, comic book resources, I, I will admit, they're not as bla- they're, they're not as bad as Bleeding Cool. Because Bleeding Cool truly is uh, the bottom of the barrel. I mean, they are the worst. But comic book resources, they're not exactly tasters blend themselves. So, but it's like, even by comic book resources standards, this is just shit. And before we get into this article, let me just say two things. Number one, I really don't think I want to say the writer, uh, the, the writer's name. You know, I don't think I want to say that. But just in case it, go, it, it doesn't go without saying, guys, 
If you want to find this article for yourself and read it for yourself, be my guest. But please, please, fucking please, don't contact this person. Don't tweet at them. Don't email them. Don't do anything. Just ignore them, okay? Don't talk to them. Leave them alone. All right? If you disagree with what he says here, leave him alone. If you agree, then I guess, you know, if you agree with what he's saying here and you think I'm the one who's full of shit, well, whatever, I do what you want. But if you disagree with this person, let it go. You're not going to change his mind. You're not going to save the world. You're certainly not going to save the world by posting a bunch of stupid bullshit on Facebook. Let it go. So, don't contact this person. The title of this article is Star Wars. It's time to accept the real problem is the fans. That's the title of the article. And that should just about tell you what we're in for when it comes to what this article is up to and what this writer's point of view is. If it sounds like he's just some kind of beta male soy boy loser, yeah, I think that's probably a reasonable guess as to what this guy is all about. Who knows? But I'll just take a guess and say that's probably who this guy is, but who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. But I don't know. It's just reading this article, it just it's like the loserness just basically drips off my screen. So now excuse me while I get a sip off of my uh Coke here. Cause I've been talking for so long and I'm getting a bit of a dry throat. And I gotta tell you. I'm actually kind of proud of myself, you know. I've been talking for all this time, and I haven't really had problems with a dry throat or clearing my throat or anything like that this whole time. So, uh, not bad, cowboy. I'm also going to get a drag off of my e-cig here, because I think we're going to be here for a while, guys. Just bear with me. All right, one more. Mm, So good. All right, so, again, the title of this thing is Star Wars. It's time to accept the real problem is the fans. And, again, people, just don't contact this guy. Leave him alone. You know, he's entitled to his opinion. It's not the end of the world. So, in case it doesn't go without saying, this guy should not be messed with in any way. Don't contact him. Don't talk to him. Just fucking leave him alone, okay? Just don't bother him. Star Wars. It's time to accept the problem is the fans. And the little subheading here says, Fans have lashed out at Star Wars for everything from its storylines to the race or gender of a character, but their responses are the real problem. So, again, you kind of know what direction this article is going to go in. And the reason I'm mentioning all this is to say that there is a narrative here that's being communicated. I'm going to comment on that more as we go. This whole idea of fandom, guys, that's just the framing device of this story. The real issue, the real thing that this writer is trying to sell, it's buried a little bit. And you you have to do a little bit of archaeology if you want to dig it up. But don't worry. I'm on the case, so here we go. 
story says, oh, and by the way, spoiler alert for just anything to do with Star Wars, especially Rise of Skywalker. I mean, it's been so long since the movie came out, so whatever. But nevertheless, spoiler alert, article says, there are many legitimate reasons for not liking the recent Star Wars sequel trilogy. How you feel about a story is a matter of taste. The Star Wars franchise has existed for more than 40 years, and it means different things to different people. Therefore, any new installment is virtually guaranteed to face criticism, because it's impossible to please everyone. Where Star Wars fans run into problems, however, is in their extreme reactions to the new films. Now, guys, just in case, I'm going to put the article on pause here, just in case some of you have forgotten, or for that matter, if this is your first episode of my podcast, this is where I'm coming from with Star Wars fandom, all right? I love the original Unaltered Trilogy. I don't really, like, especially the older I get, I really don't need to go beyond that. That really is it for me. I don't need Star Wars aside from that. But to whatever degree I do need Star Wars aside from that, I do appreciate elements of the prequels. I don't think that the plot is very well executed. I think that there are problems with that. The story itself is fine. The way the story is told, therein we've got problems. Some of the dialogue is a little bit clunky. Um, some of the characters are awesome. Some of the other characters are, I shall be nice about this and say, not awesome. All right. When it comes to the sequel stuff, basically anything to do with Disney Star Wars, I've seen exactly two Disney Star Wars films. I've seen The Force Awakens, and really, that was the end of the line for me. I saw The Force Awakens, and I thought, all right, well, I don't know who the intended audience for these new movies might be, but what I know for sure is that the intended, audi- the intended audience is not me. So I'm going to bow out, I'm going to call it a day, I'm done, I've got Star Wars stuff that I enjoy. Like I said, I never really needed more anyway. It doesn't cost me anything to walk away from Star Wars at this point. If somebody is brought into Star Wars fandom because of The Force Awakens or everything that came after, you know what? So much the better. There's always room. Happy to have you. This stuff, not really for me though, so I'm out. So that was the decision that I made. Now, a listener who maybe doesn't want me to say his name on mic right now, so I won't say it, But there was a listener who, he politely called me out, right? He basically said, look, you're you're saying that you're not seeing all of these new movies, and yet every once in a while you kind of take a little bit of a jab at them. But you're speaking from a place of ignorance, my friend, so why don't you watch Rogue One and just give it a chance? Tell me what you think of Rogue One. And so rather than tell him what I thought of Rogue One, I released an episode of Trennis... I believe it was an episode of Trennis Magnus Jabs Reality, where I talked about Rogue One, the stuff that I thought was done well, the stuff that I thought was done maybe not so well, and hopefully a good time was had by all, you know? But it did kind of cement me to this notion that, you know what, I just don't really get into these new Star Wars movies. There's nothing wrong with Rogue One. It just didn't really grab me. You know, it was fine on its own, but there's really nothing here that I care to see more of. There's nothing about this that makes me 
really excited to see the Star Wars stories episode or uh, movies. There's nothing about this that gets me excited to see more of the Disney sequel trilogy. There's just really nothing here to capture my interest. So as a result, I've never seen The Last Jedi. I've never seen The Rise of Skywalker. I've never seen uh, Solo. I've never seen The Mandalorian. I've never seen any of that shit, right? And I don't really feel as though I'm missing out on anything. But, so I guess just to kind of sum it all up, I love the original trilogy. I love certain elements of the prequels, and there's basically nothing about Disney Star Wars that I really get very much out of. But hey, if you enjoy it, good for you. I hope you love it, and I hope you get plenty more. Because like I say, there's room for everybody. That's where I'm coming from with all this. And the reason I, I'm spending so much time to say this is what I'm saying here, This, what I've heard in Star Wars fandom, it, at least when it comes to the movies, all right? Everything I've just said, I've heard variations on from other people. Now, there are people out there who basically agree with me, but they loved The, the Force Awakens. It was everything that came after that, that was a letdown. Or there are people out there who want to love the sequel trilogy as a whole, but it's like they don't think Disney wants them to like it. Or, or just what... I mean, the... Reactions run the gamut, alright? But remember, there are a lot more women, or I don't know about a lot more, but there are some more women in Star Wars now. Women interpret disagreement as conflict. Women hate conflict. So whenever you express an opinion that's different from theirs, that's conflict. When you express a negative opinion of the cipher otherwise known as Ray, that's conflict. And also, they interpret that as, as an attack upon them, all right? And so, what I think is going on here is that there's a little bit of an echo chamber go uh, effect happening here where this dipshit writer is... He's basically repeating a bunch of stupid fucking retarded bullshit that he's heard a lot of other people say, and... Probably, I can't say richly rewarded, but he's being financially rewarded in some way or another, to some degree or another. And that's what he's talking about. And guys, get used to that, because there's going to be a lot more where that came from in this article. So, the loser goes on to say, Fans lash out, not because the movies didn't suit their personal tastes, but because they offer, or rather, because but because... They offend their sense of identity. See, there you go. Straight white men. From review bombing to outright hate speech. There's no such thing as hate speech, you dumb son of a bitch. From, re from review bombing to outright hate speech, the negativity swirling around Star Wars isn't coming from objectively bad filmmaking. It's coming from the fans themselves. And there's the agenda. All right? The... The fact is, number one, the a lot of the negativity, and again, negativity, it's okay to be negative about something. I don't have to, to enjoy The Last Jedi. I mean, God help me, if I ever decide to watch that piece of shit, guess what? I don't have to be happy, shiny, fucking upbeat about it. I'm a sovereign individual. I, I, it's okay for me 
to express a different fucking opinion. It's okay for that opinion to be negative, you fucking loser. And another thing is review bombing, all right? People write reviews online. They sometimes post those reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, all right? That's what happens. Your special little snowflake loser movie isn't exempt from negative opinions, from a bad public reception, from a, 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 a really bad reputation among the movie's core audience, all right? The fact that it plays to all of your... Uh, to, to your little woke checklist, shall we say, that it checks off all the little boxes, doesn't magically exempt it from criticism, or for that matter, lack of popularity, or for that matter, outright fucking hatred. Okay? That's not review bombing. That's just reviewing. Welcome to the internet, asshole. Anyway, goes on to say, The majority of Star Wars fans have long agreed the original trilogy is excellent. Since then, there have been prequels, sequels, and spin-offs. While a significant portion of the audience found common ground in the view that the prequels, which is to say, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith, are disappointing, there are many fans who love them. However, both of those previous trilogies were released at a time before the ubiquity of social media. As a result, most audience backlash was relegated to, first fanzines, and later online forums frequented primarily by other fans. In our, <clears throat> in our modern age, however, everyone is connected and can instantly share their opinions with the world. Meaning, women are seeing these things now too. That's bad because women don't like disagreement. Women interpret disagreement as conflict. Women fucking hate conflict. When you insult Ray, who is not a character who is not a Mary Sue, but who is a cipher, you you are insulting Ray, but what, you are, but what women are hearing is you insulting them, and they don't like that. Moving on. <clears throat> when looking at many of the criticisms of the sequel trilogy, a lot of unrest centers around what a fan thought or hoped... <clears throat> Let me get another sip off my Coke here. <clears throat> Let's take another swing at that, shall we? When looking at many of the criticisms of the sequel trilogy, a lot of the unrest centers around what a fan thought or hoped would happen. Following the 2015 release of The Force Awakens, fans came together to theorize about a number of the film's unresolved story threads, including Rey's parentage, Snoke's origin, and speculation regarding Rey and Kylo Ren's perceived romance. After two years of furious debate, 2017's The Last Jedi revealed Rey's parents were nobodies, unceremoniously killed Snoke, and didn't, arou uh, or rather, didn't allow Raylo to come to fruition. When the movie didn't go the, way didn't go the way they expected, a vocal contingent of fans became angry. They review-bombed sites like Rotten Tomatoes, harassed actors and filmmakers, and produced countless video essays chronicling the purported sins of The Last Jedi. Now, guys, this... First off, I was never really on the bus that this dipshit was driving, but to whatever degree I was, this is where I really have to get off. Guys, I remember some of the horrible stuff. Horrible stuff. 
that that people said online in response to specifically the Phantom Menace. Arguably, the first internet meme was George Lucas raped my childhood. All right. Now, guys, I can understand not liking the Phantom Menace. I can understand disagreeing with some of the creative decisions that George Lucas made. I can understand not really enjoying Jar Jar Binks as a character and just thinking he's loud, obnoxious, annoying, etc. I can understand all that stuff. But guys, calling George Lucas a rapist, I realize it was mostly done in jest. People weren't actually serious about it when they said it because, again, men banter with each other. But this was, I thought, really over the line, you know? George Lucas, for those of you who don't know, George Lucas basically scratched together every dime he had to his name to make The Phantom Menace. And when he made that movie, he wanted to make a movie that people would would be entertained by. He wanted to make a movie that people would love and enjoy, watch and rewatch, share with their children, etc. All right? That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to make a movie that people would take to heart. All right? For his trouble, he got called a rapist, all right? And again, I realize that the majority of people who said George Lucas raped my childhood, they said that in jest. But guys, that was just so far over the line. Nevertheless, people said it, all right? Um, Next up, uh, Jake Lloyd, and then God knows later, Hayden Christensen, they were called Mannequin Skywalker. Um, I think even Kevin Smith got in on that. Fucking blowhard. On and on and on. That's the point, all right? The vitriol, guys, it ran deep. Here's the thing, though. The great majority of the bile and venom and outrage and spleen venting that went on with the prequels, it didn't affect women... So no one was really too worried about it. No one really minded the culture of fandom. I'm not saying you have to like it, guys, but this is the culture of fandom. Take it or leave it. No one had a problem with it during the prequel era. Even I kind of had limited problems with it in as much as you really shouldn't call somebody a rapist just because they made a movie you don't like. But hey, whatever. You do you, man. But now that women are part of the fandom, or at least a somewhat more prominent part of the fandom, or at least they're a larger target for the marketing of these films, now all of a sudden we need to change what this is all about, what fandom has always been about, the things that have always defined fandom, because vaginas. All right? And that's really, like, the main issue here. Now, this fucking dipshit can spin... Whatever nonsense he wants to the contrary about racism and sexism and it's just fucking window dressing. At the end of the day, this is really all about protecting the feelings of people who have vaginas, guys. That's that's really what this comes down. God, I've said the word vagina a lot in this episode. Anyway, so it goes on from there. Rise of Skywalker was similarly met with backlash, albeit largely from a different corner of fandom. Those upset that Rey and Kylo's arc didn't culminate in romance. While Ben Solo found redemp- uh, redemption, or ben he didn't survive the film. 
Just like in virtually any fandom, when like-minded Star Wars devotees gather to share theories, likes, and dislikes, it can create an echo chamber in which they find themselves, or rather find their views, reflected back upon them and thus validated. Says the, geez, I would love to know what this guy's politics are and who he follows on Twitter. Don't comment uh, uh, anything to this guy. Don't contact him. Don't tweet him. Don't do anything. I'm just, I'm being hyperbolic. I would love to know, but it's it's like at the same time, just because I find it rich that this fucking nitwit is accusing other people of living in an echo chamber, whatever. Don't contact this guy. Don't bother him. Don't fuck with him. Don't do anything. Just leave, leave him alone, guys. Buoyed by a sense of entitlement, theories can morph into certainties, and when those expectations aren't met, some fans lash out. And I'm going to say that there's probably a germ of truth to this, but not in the way that this fucking retard probably means. It is true that Raylos are a loud and vocal part of Star Wars fandom at this point. I mean, I don't know how big they are. I don't know how many of them are really out there. But at this point, it is true that Raylos are a thing, all right? And at least the Raylos that I've encountered online, these people are fucking insane, okay? They were, they became fans, starting with The Force Awakens. And really, it's the whole Ray and uh, Kylo dynamic that motivates their fandom. When you get too far away from that, they're not really invested in Star Wars per se, they really just like the the doe-eyed innocent girl falling in love with the bad boy. That's really what it comes down to. You know, and a lot of these fans, these Raylos, they do tend to be women, number one. And number two, best I can tell, they don't seem to have been Star Wars fans prior to 2015. All right? And these people are fucking nuts. All right? I don't know how common this really was among Raylos, but some number of Raylos, it's not enough that they ship Ray and Kylo. Everyone has a favorite couple in, in in fiction, so who am I to judge? It's but they need a dividend, I guess. It's not enough that they ship Ray and Kylo in the films. They ship Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver IRL. Now, I don't really know anything about Daisy Ridley, other than I I guess she seems nice, I suppose. Other than that, I and she's British. She's she's from the UK. Okay, so so I so I know two things. Number one, she seems nice. Number two, she's from the UK. Other than that, I don't really know anything about her. Adam Driver, though, is like it's my I could be wrong, but it's my understanding that he's married to somebody. And so he's probably not looking for something on the side. And I'm betting he, his wife, and Daisy Ridley herself, they maybe, you know what? Maybe they don't appreciate people shipping Daisy and Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver IRL. That's just fucking weird. All right. That is fucking weird. And these, these Raylos, again, I don't know how prevalent this is among Raylos. But they really did not take kindly, really did not take kindly to, uh, shall we say, certain elements of the Rise of Skywalker, all right? Didn't like that. Not 
one bit. And they made their displeasure very widely known on uh, on Star Wars Twitter, all right? It, my understanding is at one point they were fucking inescapable. And it is my guess... See, this guy is trying to play it both ways. He's basically trying to equate Raylos with the straight white men in the audience that he's trying to castigate in this article, right? Now, as I said... Raylos, by and large, were not Star Wars fans prior to 2015, basically prior to The Force Awakens and the onset of Disney Star Wars. He's basically intentionally conflating two different things to make his point. He's castigating OG Star Wars fans, however you choose to define that, and at least in this particular example, he's using Raylos as ammo. That's really what it comes down to. Now, by definition, Raylos are not OG Star Wars fans, so conflating the two is just fucking dishonest, all right? You really shouldn't be doing that. But nevertheless, he does. And the reason I'm being such a pain in the ass about this is to say that, look, I had no hesitation in saying that when uh, fans called, uh, or rather when fans said back in 1999, George Lucas raped my childhood, that was way out of line. I'm saying that even more about the Raylos. I mean, look, it's one thing to to ship Ray and Kylo. If that's your thing, go for it, you know, whatever. It doesn't it doesn't bother me when one way or the other. You just you do your thing. It's fine. But some of the weird shit that happened to Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley, I don't know about, but some of the weird shit that happened with Adam Driver, guys, again, way over the line. You you really don't need to be doing that. I mean, again, welcome to fandom. I mean, some amount of it is going to be mental illness, I'm sad to say. But nevertheless, you really, like, in the same way that I'm telling you, don't contact the writer of this article whose name I'm trying like hell not to say. Because <clears throat> nothing good is going to come from that, guys. Nothing good is going to come from tweeting at him or emailing him or commenting on this article or just whatever. Leave him alone. In the same way, I'm telling you to leave this dumb son of a bitch writer alone. Guys, leave Adam Driver alone. I mean, he's just a guy who became an actor because he loves acting. He loves performing. It seems he's married. I assume he's happily married. Leave him the fuck alone. He doesn't want to be with Daisy Ridley. And you know what? I don't want to be with Daisy Ridley either. I don't really think I'll have anything in common with somebody who does want to be with Daisy Ridley. I mean, it's just fucking don't do it. I mean, don't contact people and tell them who they should or shouldn't date. Or who they should or shouldn't be married to. Or whatever. It's fucking nuts. You know, don't do that. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is I understand. I It's fine to criticize Raylos for crossing the line with Adam Driver the way they did. Don't conflate those mental patients with OG Star Wars fans, Mr. Hackjob writer. So, moving right along. We start getting into this writer. He's he's playing a little bit fast and loose with the facts here, and I'll comment on that as we come to it. He says, although such backlash isn't new to Star Wars... <clears throat> excuse me, I just bit the snot out of my tongue. Let's take another swing at that. Although such backlash isn't new to Star Wars, Jar Jar Binks actor Ahmed Best recalled that 
Intense criticism of his reviled character from the prequels drove him to contemplate suicide. Now, everything, as far as I can tell, everything that's said in that sentence there is completely 100% true. I'm going to reread it, or abbreviate it, but I'll reread it. Ahmed Best recalled that intense criticism of his reviled character from the prequel, or prequels, drove him to contemplate suicide. As far as I can tell, that is 100% true. But here again, obfuscation, all right? What Ahmed Best said was that intense criticism from the fucking national media made him contemplate suicide. It had nothing to do with fans. He was, in fact, careful to exempt the fans. What he said was, all of those think pieces about Jar Jar Binks as a racist caricature made him contemplate suicide. Well, guys, it wasn't the fans who were writing those retarded think pieces. It was the national media. But this dumb son of a bitch, is, he's, he never outright says that it's the fans that, in this article, he never accuses the fans of having done this. But what other interpretation can there possibly be? The entire reason for being for this article is castigating the fans, calling them racists and all the like. But whenever he, he gets to this part of the article, he never accuses fans, but it's like, you don't have to. At this point, you've, you've already positioned the subject of this article, or at least the object of this article, to be fans, you're assigning these bl blame to these fans, even if you don't outright say so. So in the same way that this hack tried to attribute uh, Raylo mental disorders to OG Star Wars fans, now he's basically trying to frame the, the national media backlash against Ahmed Best as, or really, the national media backlash against Jar Jar Binks as a fans, as fandom's racist attack on Ahmed Best. And it's like, those are not the same thing. Ahmed Best has gone on the record twice that I can remember saying that fans have actually always been cool to him. It was the national media that made his life miserable. But you wouldn't think so reading this dipshit article, which is, again, in case we're not clear, this is an attack on fandom, guys. That's really what this is. So anyway. Um, and then here's a, uh, another myth, but it writer goes on to say, but it's certainly ma been magnified by social media. Actor Kelly Marie Tran was driven from Instagram by, and this is what he writes. Uh, Kelly, Mar Kelly Marie Tran was driven from Instagram by of harassment from fans who disliked her character, Rose Tico. That isn't true, or at least it's not proven, all right? So I guess you could say fact check, mostly not true. It has never been proven beyond any shadow of a doubt that uh, Kelly Marie Tran closed down her Instagram because of Star Wars fans. Have Star Wars fans been vocal in their, their criticisms of The Last Jedi, some of which revolve around Rose Tico? Yes, they've been, again, this is another one of those things that was nigh inescapable at one point. But accusing Star Wars fans as being the 
for, for being the cause of Kelly Marie Tran closing down her Instagram when there is literally no evidence that that ever happened. The, guys, this is the same guy who just paragraphs earlier was criticizing fans for living in an echo chamber. But guys, you may think that there's evidence of Kelly Marie Tran closing down her Instagram because of uh, asshole fans. You need to understand, if you believe that, it's because you live in an echo chamber. What we know is that fans reacted negatively, somewhat, some fans reacted negatively to uh, The Last Jedi. Some of their object, that's number one. Number two, some of that negativity revolves around Rose Tico. And number three, Kelly Marie Tran closed down her Instagram. Those are the facts. Now, if you assume that there's some kind of connective tissue between all three of those things, you're filling in gaps that don't necessarily get filled in that way, all right? That is not necessarily what happened. We don't know, all right? Uh, shortly after the, the Last Jedi premiered, production began on The Rise of Skywalker. It is possible, no one knows for sure, it could go either way, but it is possible that Kelly Marie Tran was required by her contracts with uh, Lucasfilm, with Disney, with whoever. It could be that Kelly Marie Tran was contractually obligated to suspend her, her social media just before production of The Rise of Skywalker, and so she did. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm saying it is possible that's what happened. People have advanced theories on that saying it's actually a lot more reasonable that's what happened than you might think because of this 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 and this this is people who have a back this is coming from people who have a background in the entertainment uh, industry they know how this stuff is done all right and so they're saying i can't prove that she's contractually obligated to suspend social media but i can say it would not be unusual if she was so we know that she suspended her social media specifically instagram we don't know if it was because of fans behaving like assholes or if it's because contracts that she signed obligated her to do so. It could be one. It could be the other. It could be something else altogether. But this guy, who, by the way, has no hesitation in accusing other people of living in an echo chamber, lives in a fucking echo chamber, and he believes, not because of the evidence, but in spite of the lack of evidence that asshole fans drove Kelly Marie Tran off of Instagram. That has never been proven. No one in a position to know for sure has ever outright said that. But it's presented here as fact anyway. Fucking loser. Anyway, goes on to say, the film's writer and director, Ryan Johnson, has famously sparred on, on Twitter with trolls and even went so far as to delete 20,000 tweets in hopes of depriving them of ammunition. Ammunition for what? What did those tweets say? Why did he really delete them? Did he say it was because he wanted to deprive fans and uh, take away ammunition, quote unquote, or was there some other reason? What really happened? We don't know. All we know is what this doofus is telling us happened, and I'm sorry, considering his recitation of the facts so far, his track record does not, Im does not impress me, and I'm going to need something at this point a little bit more than his word 
about what did or didn't happen, especially when it comes to Ryan Johnson. Now, my own recollection of Ryan Johnson is that he called certain fans man babies. He called them all sorts of names. He denigrated them, mocked them. And he basically he picked a fight and he got a fight. So you get what you deserve. And then it also mentions Daisy Ridley. Same thing with Kelly Marie Tran. We know she left social media. We don't really know why she left. I don't think she's ever outright. I know for sure, at least at the time that I record this, Kelly Marie Tran has never publicly said why she walked away from social media. I don't think Daisy Ridley has either. So here again, this writer is interpreting motives where they may not necessarily exist. Excuse me, I'm getting a, I'm out of Coke, so now I'm having to drink a drink my bottle of water. And the hell with it. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get some more vapor too. All right, so with the article, is there more? Yep, there's more. And you're, you guys are going to love this. <clears throat> Writer goes on to say, Heck, before The Force Awakens was even released, actor John Boyega drew racist criticism because his character, Finn, was a black stormtrooper. With the release of The Rise of Skywalker, he's at the center of a social media firestorm for a joke about Finn laying the pipe with Ray following Kylo's death. Now, I'm going to put this back on pause and say there are actually quite a few things that are going on here. Number one, I don't think anyone, not in like a racist kind of way, I don't think that was the objection to to uh, Finn's race. The issue is Tamora Morrison, who, by the way, is also not a white guy. He's... Uh, how do you pronounce that race's name? They're Maori, I think. Maori? I think it's Maori. Anyway, um, but Tamora Morrison, who played Django Fett, you know, the template for the Stormtroopers, he's, he's Maori, all right? And so then, out of nowhere, here comes a black Stormtrooper, like specifically African-American, all right? Now, if we know nothing else about fans, we know that they are picky about uh, canon, about continuity, about details. And that's kind of a big fucking detail, all right? This is a pretty big change from what has gone before. Now, guys, fans jump to conclusions all the time, all right? And I don't know if, like in-universe, if the if at some point uh, Django Fett stopped being the template for, for stormtroopers, if they actually started recruiting non-Django, non-clone, non-whatever, like basically from the, from the galaxy at large, recruiting stormtroopers or what, I don't know what the deal is there. I frankly don't care to know, but based on what fans knew at the time, it is a completely fucking reasonable question. Why is it that we've been shown in fact, it's, you know, great pains have been gone to to show that Django Fett is the uh, template for all of the stormtroopers 
Jango Fett is played by Tamora Morrison. Tamora Morrison is is Maori. Why is it now that suddenly we have a stormtrooper who's black? All right, that's the way I remember the objection to to a black stormtrooper going. All right, that's how I remember it. All right, now did somebody say something that was really inappropriate to John Boy or to or about John Boyega online as a result of his casting? I don't know. All I know is I never saw it. But based on what I know of fans and what I remember people saying, that was the objection. It's not that black people shouldn't be in, shouldn't be stormtroopers because I dislike black people. It was, okay, why is a black person a stormtrooper when in the prequels it was established that, say it with me, stormtroopers are based on Jango Fett. Jango Fett is... Played by Tamora Morrison. Tamora Morrison is Maori. And by the way, guys, Maori, they ain't white. No one had a problem with that. So that was the objection that I, that I, that's how I remember things going. All right. So I think it's fucking stupid and whatever. This guy is, again, I don't want to go so far as to, to accuse him of making shit up. But what I can say is I've, I honestly don't remember anybody in Star Wars fandom having an, specifically an objection to a stormtrooper being black it was the stormtrooper being black considering existing canon all right so and i'm sorry having an objection to uh casting based on race is not necessarily racist i mean there are whatever it's fucking stupid i can't believe i'm even still talking about this you know so let's go on to let's see what else is there uh, strong undercurrent. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, writer says, there's a strong undercurrent of racism and sexism at the heart of these attacks. Yeah, whatever. You haven't even proven that. To have women or a black man in lead roles challenges their notions of what Star Wars is. Fucking loser. Just look at this guy. What a loser. And he wraps it all up by saying, one could argue that those fans are simply voicing their, quote, opinion, unquote, of a character or a screenplay. That argument is void, however, once a racial slur or sexist comment is uttered. And here again, I don't remember anybody ever doing that. Not saying it hasn't happened, but I am saying it, it hasn't happened in numbers so vast and so commonplace that it somehow came on my radar. <clears throat> this guy's just making stupid shit up. Anyway, basically this whole thing is one big hollow virtue signal. This guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He's <clears throat> he's either lying in some cases or he's outright inventing a bunch of bullshit out of whole cloth in other cases. And guys, you need to understand, this is an attack on fandom, okay? I'm not here to fact check every single part of this article. Instead, what I want to do is draw your attention to the reality that this article and others like it they're basically an attack on, well, I say fandom, a certain segment of fandom. And we all know what that segment is. Basically telling them that your fandom is worth less than the fandom of these other client groups, the non-white, non-straight, non-male 
client groups that we're trying to appeal to, your fandom is worth is worth less than theirs. And <coughs> the vehicle for disenfranchising these OG fans is basically um well smearing them really as a bunch of istophobes. You know, if you if you know you can't dis you cannot disapprove of a black stormtrooper because of established canon. No, no, no. The only way you can possibly disapprove of this is because you're a clan guy. You know, and it's just so fucking transparent. But guys, nevertheless, this is the state of fandom. And with shill media like CBR, and that's what they are, by the way. They are shills. And when you get shill media like CBR, who basically run interference for for the, I guess, the more woke contingent of the this new Star Wars franchise that we don't seem able to escape from. That's what's really going on here, guys. This guy, he's basically acting as a foot soldier, and that has done so much to tamp down Star Wars fandom, because there are a lot of Star Wars fans who just don't really like these movies, but they don't, they don't want to be called everything in the book just because they don't get into it. Whether they're straight white men or whether they're something else, they just don't get into it as much anymore. And when I talked earlier, forever ago, about how my my Star Wars Love Fest episode that I did at the end of 2019 with Scott Rifen, how the numbers on that were way lower, way lower than I was originally expecting. I can't help thinking that this type of fan, the exhausted OG Star Wars fan, the guy that's just fucking weary of this whole thing, he's so weary of it that he doesn't want to see the movies anymore. He's so weary of it. He doesn't even want to listen to people uh, enthusiastically talk about the same movies that we already know he does love. That's how done this type of Star Wars fan was at the end of 2019. And guys, you need to understand that when you do this much damage to fandom, it is next door to impossible to repair the damage, all right? Once it's done, it's done. And, you know, people talk a lot about how forgiving fans are. I mean, yes and no, there are limits to that. I mean, look, if you make a couple of bad Star Trek movies and then you start making some good Star Trek movies again, hey, we can let bygones be bygones. But whenever fans have been sus uh, subjected to this prolonged, sustained, withering campaign of abuse and hatred... I'm sorry, it gets to a point where they're just fucking done. They are done, son. And what I think we should expect going forward is for Star Wars fandom to be, number one, a lot smaller. Number two, a lot more fragmented. And number, two, and number three, I would say, you know what? Maybe more openly critical of other contingents of fans. You know, where... Back in the 2000s and I guess the early 2010s before the Disney buyout, prequel fans and 
original trilogy fans, they would rib each other a little bit, but mostly it was just, this was a male-dominated fandom. It was mostly just guys being guys. So it wasn't necessarily always good nature, but it is nevertheless still harmless. And I don't think, I think it's going to be going forward, number one, like I say, avowedly, well, it's going to be smaller, but it's also going to be avowedly bad nature, you know? Whereas before, it, maybe it was good-natured, maybe it wasn't. Now there won't be any good-natured disagreement. There may not even be polite disagreement. It may just be openly fucking hostile. And that's if the fan, you know, the fans that still remain, that's if they even care enough to remain. And who knows? I mean, it gets to a point where, I mean, I'm sorry, you cannot animate your fandom by negativity. Okay? You can't. Negativity... It may be good, it may be a good short-term boost, but it isn't long-term fuel. Eventually, your fandom needs to be fed, it needs to be fueled, and negativity can never do that. And I don't know if it's possible to ever rebuild Star Wars to the level that it was at before, you know? And even if you can, I mean, it's like, who even has the will for it anymore? And when you read, you know, dipshit articles like this one, and again, triple underline this part, don't contact this person, don't email them, don't tweet at them, uh, don't, uh, don't comment on the article, leave this guy the fuck alone. Do not, don't even send him smoke signals, just do not communicate with him in any way. Don't interact with him in any way. That's as plain as I know how to make it, alright? Don't fucking bother this guy. He's wrong. It's okay for him to be wrong. It's not your job to fix it. It's okay to let other people wallow in their own stupidity. You can fix ignorance. You cannot fix stupidity. And I'm sorry, this guy has that second problem. It's just... This whole thing is just... I don't know. I fear that Star Wars fandom is broken beyond repair. And ultimately the blame for that... It goes back to J.J. Abrams, it goes back to Kathleen Kennedy, it goes back to Ryan Johnson, and I would say it goes back to Shill Media. It goes back to Blue Checkmark Twitter. It goes back to these, these new fans who... You know what? Uh, I think I've said it. So anyway, that's basically what I think is going on right now with Star Wars. I don't think it's going to be better. I don't think things are ever going to improve. I don't think things are ever going to be like they were in the good old days. Nothing lasts forever, guys. So, you know, maybe Star Wars is... This is just a property whose time has come. So, I don't know. Anyway, but I think that's pretty much it for me for right... For... I can't even say right now. I think that's pretty much it for me for this week. So, bye everybody. I will see you next week. I think that's just about the end of that. 
Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality at twotruefreaks.com. You can also find this show on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. My Facebook group is the only official place where you can find everything that has anything to do with this show. The reason for that is because I despise Twitter. Pretty much everything about Twitter sucks. So join the Facebook group today. Speaking of Facebook, you can friend me just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trentusmagnus at gmail.com. But remember, all feedback and correspondence emailed to me will be read on mic unless you request otherwise. So, if your email isn't intended for public consumption, don't forget to say so. Otherwise, I'll assume that you want your correspondence to be heard by my dozens and dozens of fans across the world. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? Feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Since we're on the subject of feedback, Trentus Magnus Punches Reality can be found on iTunes just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. Won't you take a moment to rate my show on iTunes? That helps new listeners find the show. And just in case you don't think that I've given you enough shit to click on just yet, you can sponsor my show simply by going to twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the PayPal button, donate any amount at all, specify that you're sending Magnus some monetary love, and you will be an official sponsor of my show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there's no minimum donation. Be a Trennis Magnus show sponsor today. I don't have a Patreon, because if you think that I hate Twitter, boy, just wait till you hear what I think of Patreon. So, if you want to throw some bucks my way, the Two True Freaks PayPal link is the way to do it. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void were prohibited by law. Some is simply required. Batteries not included. Many will enter. Few will win. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trinus Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with Demonsacor of Milan, Italy.